And we are rolling. This is Onward to Victory, a Notre Dame football podcast, and I am your host, Alex Painter. And at the time of recording, it is actually fairly late local time, and that's because I was up late watching the Notre Dame-Georgia game. And if you watch that game, I'm sure many of you either watch the whole thing or you'll see highlights. I guess, I guess you could probably understand why after the game was over, I still feel like I had a little bit of left, a little bit left in the tank and uh, felt like doing something kind of productive. I couldn't just, you know, go to bed. My, my adrenaline was still kind of pumping. And uh, there'll be a different forum to talk kind of in depth about the Notre Dame-Georgia game. I'll just say it right now. Yes, I am very disappointed in the outcome of the game, but... I am really proud of the guys and how they battled and going into a hostile environment, overcoming what was a lot of penalties and keeping that game close. In fact, having an opportunity at the end of the game uh, to to drive the length, not the length of the field, but to drive the field and tie the game, possibly go ahead with an extra point. I mean, just they, there was so much resilience and so much bend but don't break. There were so many times in that second half where, and I know if you watched it, you felt it, where it's like, okay, well, that, this game's over, this game's over. But they they battled, and that's admirable going into the third-ranked team in the country's house prime time on Saturday night and doing that. So that's all I'll talk about that. Uh, for now, please go over to the Facebook page. We'll talk about all of the, the URLs and the addresses here soon, and you can get a little bit more insight, at least from Onward to Victory, about the Notre Dame-Georgia game, which just finished up here about an hour ago or so. But in the meantime, thank you very much to you, the listener, for, for joining the program today. There are 500,000 different podcasts of which you can tune into uh, at any point, and so I am Super thankful that you have decided and elected to join me on this one. And frankly, if you know me, then you know that uh, I'm a bit of a fan of 1960s music, and I'm a huge Monkees fan. And something that Peter Tork used to say is he would play music for a sandwich and the gas money to get to the gig. And I don't know what the podcast equivalent is to that, but I would be more than happy to do this for... <laughs> sandwich and some gas money and so I am very very thankful again just to have folks listening and um, hopefully uh, I, there's a good show planned today I, I promise you and you're gonna really enjoy this one but a few thank you so again thank you to you uh, thank you to Joseph Rakish whose song Knut Rockney serves as our theme song well thanks Joseph for exclusive use and access to the song you can hear it again the song's called Knut Rockney you can hear it on Spotify SoundCloud YouTube and iTunes anywhere that you listen to your music give it a spin put it on your pregame playlist and as I mentioned, I know I sure do. So you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you have an iPhone, just go ahead and click that purple icon. Okay, subscribe. Please, if you listen to the show, give us five stars or 
you don't have to necessarily give five stars. Give however many stars you think. But I think that, that there's some weird algorithm that really helps drive that uh, <laughs> drive the shows up the charts if you give a, a rating to them. So if you go into the purple icon uh, podcast, if you have an iPhone, uh, type Onward to Victory. Well, I'm right there. Or if you search Notre Dame football, uh, I'm also in there as well. So uh, if you want to go to HQ headquarters, that's facebook.com slash Onward to Victory podcast. And that is uh, where all of the show updates as well as videos uh, and all that is kind of funneled through there. So if you want to send the show an email, it's just simply onward to victory podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, oh, backing up a little bit, if you don't have an iPhone but you still want to uh, download the show or download the app, we're hosted through Podbean. So the, the website is onward to victory podbean.com so you can actually access that through the podbean app on your phone as well so if you'd like to become an onward to victory consensus all-american and you'd like to donate monetarily to the show first of all it is greatly greatly appreciated but uh, if you'd like to do that it is paypal.me slash onward to victory so I'll go over all of those addresses here at the end of the show. It's like cruel and unusual punishment. I'm trying to read those, and oftentimes I'm just trying to remember all of them um, right off the top. But as speaking of the Consensus All-Americans, again, uh, he actually sponsored the previous episode and this one as well. So William from New Orleans, thank you so much for being our first Onward to Victory Consensus All-American. As someone who has supported the show monetarily, thank you so very much. It is so greatly, greatly appreciated. But let's get to the task at hand. We are on episode number seven. So uh, depending on your persuasion, uh, this could be the Joe Theismann episode. It could be the John Hewitt episode. Theismann winner right there. I'm trying to think of other guys who wore number seven. Uh, It could be the Will Fuller episode or the uh, Stefan Tuitt episode. So really excited about this one, as I mentioned earlier. But to recap episode six really quickly. So it was a listener's choice episode, one in which we talked about that iconic photograph of Father Theodore Hesburgh, also known as just simply Father Ted, who was a longtime president of the University of Notre Dame, as well as Martin Luther King Jr. So they kind of linked hands at a civil rights rally and someone took a picture. We kind of talked about how that picture actually still has not been claimed. We don't know who took it. But they took it. It's very famous. Uh, someone took it, I should say. It's very famous and uh, became something of a staple uh, around Notre Dame's campus. And so we kind of talked about both men and how that event came to be. But before that, we talked to my, my six-year-old son, Grayson, and he was really excited. Uh, he thinks he's famous now, so that's pretty, that's pretty cool. But he, we went to the Notre Dame versus New Mexico game last weekend, and we had a great, great time. I mean, it's. I just want to say one thing. You know, you go to a college football game, and it just everything feels so much more family friendly. In looking around, there were literally thousands of children, and kids, and families, and it was just really welcoming. And I hadn't. I, this is only my second game. In fact, if you heard the interview, Grayson made fun of me because it was only my second Notre Dame game going that I've been to. But it was truly really special because you didn't. It didn't feel super labor intensive having kids. And that is not like maybe like an NFL game. You know, campus was very open. It was very welcoming. And, you know, we, we had a lot to do. We did a lot of walking and, and a lot of looking and, and, and seeing. And we watched the band. Uh, we watched the players walk out. It was a great time. And so if you're apprehensive about taking children, um, again, I don't know how much younger they could be 
Grayson's six. Um, I wouldn't really go much younger, but if you're if you're apprehensive about taking kids, you know, six, seven, eight years old, you know, it is absolutely doable, and we had a great, great time. Um, but anyways, so let's uh, let's get on with it here. Now, most people, as I kind of teased in the Facebook post, most people are aware. Most, uh, mostly everyone is aware that Notre Dame's uh, on-field mascot is a leprechaun, and it has been for quite some time, most of our lifetimes. I know mine, um, but most people, many, many, the vast majority, are probably not aware that before the leprechaun became the on-field mascot for the football team, that it was actually a dog, an Irish terrier, and an Irish terrier actually roamed the sidelines at Notre Dame football games for over four decades before the leprechaun became the official mascot. This was really kind of a cool thing to dig into and research because, as I mentioned, it doesn't really it didn't really feel like a lot had been done about Notre Dame's previous on-field mascot. And so it was kind of neat in that regard. But um, without further ado, let's let's jump right into it. I give you the story of Clashmore Mike. Notre Dame's original mascot. All right, and before I begin here, I just want to give a quick shout out to my primary sources here. So I used Shakedown the Thunder, the creation of Notre Dame football, which I've used on a, a few other episodes by Murray Sperber. Uh, I also used the official Notre Dame archives, which were extremely helpful. But in addition to that, there's actually a ClashmoreMike.com website, which I think used to operate as something of a Notre Dame football blog. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's super active anymore. However, it did give a really cool kind of synopsis about Clashmore Mike and the origin of the dog uh, who served, the dogs, I should say, who served as Notre Dame's mascot. So let's talk about mascots. The word mascot is derived from the French word meaning lucky charm. And true to its origin, mascots are used in a multitude of ways to help represent any group with a common public identity. Now, this can be true for restaurants. Think Ronald McDonald. Breakfast cereals, uh, such as Tony the Tiger from Frosted Flakes, Toucan Sam for Fruit Loops, or Snap, Crackle, and Pop for Rice Krispies. Or, you know, the U.S. Forest Service has Smokey Bear. You know, there's Mr. Clean, Charlie the Tuna for Star Kissed, or how about my personal old-time favorites, the Singing and Dancing California Raisins from the California Raisin Advisory Board. Uh, you get the picture. But anyways, mascots are a cornerstone in the world of sports. In Major League Baseball alone, the Philadelphia Phillies have the Philly fanatic. Mr. Met represents the New York Mets, and the Washington Nationals have a bevy of former United States presidents who race every single game, and the list goes on and on. Now, I would certainly argue that in college sports, more specifically college football, the mascot is used to galvanize and rouse their respective fan bases on a much more wider scale. Brutus Buckeye of Ohio State University is generally credited with being among the first live costumed mascots in college sports. 
But before then, it was fairly commonplace to employ live animals as mascots in, in collegiate athletics, a practice that is still fairly widely used today in 2019. If you're otherwise unsure who utilizes live mascots today, think of uh, Boomer and Sooner, the horses of Oklahoma, or Tusk, the Razorback of Arkansas. How about Stella, the Temple Owl, Ralphie, the Colorado Buffalo, or perhaps Bevo, the Texas Longhorn? The first live animal used for a college mascot was utilized way back in 1889 when Handsome Dan, the Bulldog, became a fixture at Yale football and baseball games. He was chosen, at least according to the legend, in part because he had an adverse reaction to the color of crimson, which was the color of Yale's rival Harvard. But from there, the practice grew very quickly into the turn of the 20th century. Now, like many, many great things at Notre Dame, Notre Dame's mascot starts with Coach Knut Rockne in 1924. Now at the time, the football team was known by a number of monikers, including the Rovers, the Ramblers, the Catholics, in addition to the Fighting Irish. Backing up a year in 1923, the Toledo, Ohio Notre Dame Alumni Club gave the university an Irish Terrier, whom they named Tipperary Terrence and encouraged them to take the dog to the home football games. Now in January of 1924, Terry, as he was kind of became known as, was formally presented to and accepted by Coach Rockney as the on-field mascot. So why would Rock accept and subsequently utilize the dog? Well, first, Rockney was very fond of dogs. In fact, he had a German shepherd who he named Noxie at home. Legend has it that Rockney appreciated many of the qualities of the Irish Terrier, including their scrappiness and general unwillingness to back down from a fight, a quality he certainly liked to see in his ballplayers. Since uh, Irish Terriers are commonly used as show dogs, it was just an attractive dog to kind of have on the sidelines as well. And given the fact that the team was sometimes known as the Irish and that nearly half of the 340 letter winners who played for Rockney had Irish last names, well, it just kind of seemed to fit. Now, buoyed by a quad of talented skill position players, later known as the Four Horsemen, Rockney's 1924 squad went 10-0 and and claimed the national championship. And wouldn't you know it, Elmer Layden, one of the horsemen, was seen holding the Irish Terrier in the front and center of a team picture taken after the season was over. Now, Layden would coach the Irish from 1934 through the 1940 season, and he was absolutely, utterly insistent that the Irish Terrier had a home on the football sidelines. After roughly a decade of being known as Tipperary Terrence or Bricktop, Layden renamed the mascot Clashmore Mike in 1934. Now Layden and the football team saw that Mike was a burgeoning star during the 1930s and 40s and really sought to capitalize on his fame. According to the official and aforementioned Clashmore Mike website, quote, Clashmore Mike posed for pictures in newspapers, 
football programs, domes, and scholastics. Clashmore Mike even had his own sports column in the programs. This was the era when photographers from the big city daily newspapers in New York, Chicago, Baltimore, Cleveland, and Philadelphia showed up to get pictures of Clashmore Mike taking off after the army mule or the navy goat and chasing them off the playing field. From 1936 through 1949, every home football program at Notre Dame had some sort of picture, article, cartoon, or drawing of the Notre Dame Irish Terrier mascot. End quote. Now, when Alumni Hall was built in the early 1930s on the south end of Notre Dame's campus, its primary purpose was to house and accommodate, you guessed it, alumni when they returned to campus. And just as a fun side fact, it's actually the only building on campus that isn't named for a person or a family. But according to Notre Dame's archives, Alumni Hall is recognized for its unique architecture and artwork including gargoyles and intricate stone carvings. Notable art features include the Madonna and Child, St. Thomas Aquinas and St. Bonaventure, Knut Rockne, and Clashmore Mike, the original Irish Terrier and Athletics mascot, carved into the side of the building. Better believe that uh, I will be looking for Clashmore Mike, the carving, in the side of Alumni Hall next time I am up on campus. Anyways, for two seasons, 1939 and 1940, Mike even had his own column in all the football home programs. It was aptly called, Says Clashmore Mike. Now, I imagine this was a column that was ghostwritten, as uh, I'm not sure that Clashmore Mike could pick up a pencil. But when the first Clashmore Mike died, he was buried under the playing surface at Notre Dame Stadium. Though he was quickly replaced by another Irish Terrier, legend has it that if you listen very closely at home football games, when the leprechaun mascot dances over Mike's grave, you can hear a low-pitched husky growl, and the grass over the grave allegedly stands straight up. Now, in 1941, Frank Leahy took over as head coach for the football team, and he was also an adamant supporter of keeping Clashmore Mike around. He even built him a sleek new doghouse, which was naturally painted green. Mike was so popular around campus that the Notre Dame students were constantly vying for his affection, one of the best ways they knew, by feeding him leftovers from their meals in the dining hall. Now, unfortunately, this really affected Mike's diet, and the students had to be told not to feed him table scraps by his handler by way of an all-points bulletin published in the school newspaper. According to Marge Andre of the Irish Terrier Club of Chicago, she spoke to the late Johnny Latner, Notre Dame's third Heisman Trophy winner, about the prevalence of the dog in the program during the 1950s. He replied that, quote, the Irish Terrier mascot was the toughest and most active dog I ever saw. I remember one day at practice, Clashmore Mike and I were both on the sidelines. I decided to go up to Mike and say, hello, and give him a pat on his head. I called his name before I reached for him. He set his jaw firmly, fixed his deep brown eyes in a menacing glare, and the hair on the back of his neck stood tall. I don't know what he would have done if I had moved my hand to touch him, which I didn't do. 
After that, I gave Clashmore Mike a wide berth. Coach Leahy had a great respect for the traditions of Notre Dame, and the Irish Terrier mascot was one of those traditions. The coach, however, wanted the Irish Terrier to take more of an active part in the game. Leahy had the dog trained on a given command to run out onto the field to delay the game and obtain another timeout. Now, you can imagine what the reaction of the officials was when they saw this, quote, red bolt of lightning headed right at them, only to veer off at the last minute and run to the football. Although Leahy had this plan set up, he never really used it in a game situation. End quote. Unfortunately, you know what they say about great things. According to the Notre Dame archives, in the 1940s, a human Irishman appeared at pep rallies at Media Day on the sidelines of game day and on the Notre Dame vs. Navy football program covers. In 1960, a leprechaun joined the ranks of the cheerleaders on the sidelines. Artist Ted Drake designed the famous leprechaun logo, which was featured on the cover of Time magazine with the new football coach, Era Parsegian, on November 20th, 1964. By the end of the decade, the Terriers had slowly faded into history. It's not apparent as to why. Some suggest that the last dog either died or became too old and that the handlers suffered the same fate and were never replaced. In 1966, which represented the final season where the Terrier, the Irish Terrier, was heavily used in the football program. It is also of note that around this time, many of the schools who formerly employed animal mascots began to operate using costumed mascots instead, a la the Brutus Buckeye or the Leprechaun. But all told, between 1924 and 1966, Notre Dame would claim eight national titles, have an additional four unclaimed national titles, six Heisman Trophy winners, and nine coaching regimes. The one constant, the omnipresent Irish Terrier, Clashmore Mike. So next time when you're thinking of all the pageantry and wonderful imagery that surrounds Notre Dame and the football program, don't forget about the mascot that may just boast the highest winning percentage in the history of college football. We'll be right back. Alrighty, and I hope you enjoyed that. I sure did. I honestly didn't know much about Clashmore Mike, so diving in and finding out a little bit more was truly a treat. And if you didn't really pick up on it, I, I'm a I'm a big Notre Dame fan, but really I kind of make these episodes about things that I don't know as much about, or as I you know, if I kind of discover something uh, in research or reading, and then I just kind of devote an entire episode to it. So Clashmore Mike was one of those things. Uh, I saw a picture of uh, Coach Rockney with with holding a dog, and then there was Era Parsegian uh, holding the dog, and uh, it was clearly not the same dog, obviously, because unless the dog was 50 years old, but it was the same kind of dog, so I assumed there was some kind of theme, and I feel like I had heard the name Clashmore Mike, but I had never actually put two and two together, so hopefully you learned something, and the goal for the uh, podcast, again, just to kind of go way back, isn't to create episodes that are going to be super dated, 
Uh, there will be some relevant current program information shared, uh, but I will try to make it very obvious that like, you know, in two or three years, if you want to come back and listen to any of these podcasts, like maybe you don't want to listen to the 2019 season preview. So I'll try to make it fairly obvious if there's going to be dated information shared on any of these episodes. That way, hopefully they can be enjoyed for hopefully years to come. So uh, I just wanted to uh, reiterate again that the goal here is to create a positive Notre Dame football fan experience and hopefully you're getting that sense. This is something that I'm very passionate about and any support that you give is so greatly appreciated even if it's just liking or sharing the post, exposing the the, the podcast and some of the videos to a wider audience is greatly appreciated. Um, hopefully this is something that everyone kind of looks forward to. I know I really look forward to hearing any feedback so I want to thank, I don't want to thank everyone individually but you know who you are. Um, who like and comment and share on a lot of the uh, posts on the Facebook page. So again, if you're looking to, to like and follow the Facebook page, it's facebook.com slash onward to victory podcast. Uh, if you're looking to subscribe to the podcast, again, click that purple uh, podcast icon on your iPhone. And if you don't have an iPhone, uh, it's onward to victory dot podbean dot com or you can download the podbean app so this is actually going to clock in as one of our shorter episodes and that's okay uh, hopefully everyone's able to listen to this one from beginning to end but please know that i sincerely hope that you have enjoyed this uh, i'm i'll be announcing uh kind of the future what's going on here very soon as far as new episodes if you have a suggestion feel free to write the show onward to victory podcast at gmail.com but please like subscribe share comment that is one way that i really know that the work is being appreciated and that we are truly forming a community here and that's kind of the goal so uh, again hopefully you enjoyed the story of clash more mike there's much more coming jump over to the facebook page i actually just released a video about the georgia game the aforementioned georgia game that uh, i was talking about the beginning of the episode. Now, full disclosure, I recorded the beginning of the episode uh, at a different time than I'm recording this now. So in the meantime, I've actually recorded a video. Um, and again, I just want to try to get uh, the name Onward to Victory Notre Dame Football Podcast out there however I can. And this is effectively a one-person shop. And that's me doing the reading, the writing, the researching, the promoting, the recording. Uh, I guess I'm learning a lot about all of these things. But if you'd like to support me, I would greatly appreciate it. Support the channel. All of the funds go directly back into the program. And so it's paypal.me slash Onward to Victory Podcast. So if you have uh, $2, $4, however much you have to share, and let me actually back up. It is paypal.me slash onward to victory. It's not onward to victory podcast, so forgive me. Paypal.me slash onward to victory. Please leave your, your uh, physical mailing address. I'll send you some, some small onward to victory swag if you'd like to support the, uh, if you'd like to support the channel anymore. So uh, if you'd like to support the show, it is all greatly appreciated. And Quick shout out again to the sponsor of this episode, William from New Orleans. Um, in our correspondence, he mentioned that the George Gipp episode was his favorite that uh, he had listened to thus far. And so I'd like to again thank him. He's kind of the, our show's personal George Gipp. He's our first consensus All-American. So again, someone who has donated monetarily to the show, just like George Gipp was Notre Dame's first consensus All-American football player. So thank you again. And if it seems like I am... 
uh, thanking incessantly. Well, quite frankly, I'd rather be doing that than the alternative because I do, I am truly appreciative and gracious and grateful over all the support that I've received for this endeavor. So I guess that wraps us up. Kind of a short episode. So but again, hopefully you're able to listen to all of it in one sitting. But this has been Onward to Victory, a Notre Dame football podcast. And I am your host, Alex Painter. And as always, go. Irish.